the last couple of weeks, we've been involved in this message series called Awaken, and we're looking in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 is this chapter that really reveals the gospel within a gospel. Someone has said Luke 15 is really in microcosm the gospel. There's no better section of scripture you can turn to in your Bible that will give us an indication as to the Father's heart for those who are far from God. And it's been my prayer, not only would God awaken in the hearts of the men and women we are praying for a a hunger for the gospel, but it's my prayer that God will awaken us, that God will work in our hearts as we pray and as we fast, that there will be a a spiritual awakening in our lives Now, one of the powerful ideas found in Luke 15 is this idea that every person in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have an interest in those who are far from God. So let me show you how this works. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we saw that that Jesus was being criticized by the religious insiders for being too welcoming of those who are outside. And so it says in Luke chapter 15 and verse 3 that then Jesus told them this parable. I don't know if I have ever noticed it before until this week in my study. But the word parable is singular. I thought there were three stories in Luke 15. I thought we read the story of the lost uh, sheep as, as Alex taught last Sunday morning and the lost coin as I'm going to talk in just a few moments. And the lost son. I thought there were three stories here. And yet Jesus, it says, tells them this parable. Really, there's just one story with three panels or three moves, if you will. And so the first move that we discussed last week is about a shepherd who loses one of his sheep. And so what does that shepherd do? He goes in search for the one. And so the shepherd walks down into the ravine. His legs are bleeding. His voice is hoarse because he's been calling out for that one lost sheep. He's searching all day. And finally, he sees something up in the distance. He sees a a flash of white. And he thinks, can that be? Can that be that one sheep that I'm looking for? And he he goes over to where he sees that that flash of white. And sure enough, there is this, this sheep And the sheep is tired, the sheep's wool is matted and tangled. And what what does the shepherd do? He puts that sheep on his shoulders and he carries him back to where the other sheep are and he begins to rejoice. This shows us, friends, the work of Jesus. Jesus, you see, is the good shepherd who left the glory of heaven and came looking for us. But this week we're looking at a woman who loses a coin. And so what does this lady do? She lights a lamp. She sweeps the house, looking for it until she finds the coin. She's not going to give up until she finds that that one coin that she's lost. Finally, she finds it. Well, this, this movement in the story shows us the work of the Holy Spirit. For you see, the Holy Spirit is the one who provides illumination. That's what the woman did. She swept and she lit a candle. The whole house was illuminated. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit sweeps our lives. The Holy Spirit is involved in our life through this sanctification process. He's making us more holy. 
there's something else. The third move in the story is about a father. And his father loses one of his sons. The son comes in boldly and says, I'm, I want my inheritance. I want what, what's coming to me. And so the dad gives the father the inheritance early. And what does the boy do? He, he takes the money. He takes his inheritance. He goes into a far country. He, he throws parties. He lives the high life until one day he finds he doesn't have any more money. He's alone. He's dirty. He's tired. And he decides to come back home. And what does the father do? The father, every day he gets up and he's looking across the plain, hoping this will be the day his son comes home. And as he looks across the way, he sees he sees what looks like his boy. And as he gets a little closer, he knows that's my son. He can tell that walk anywhere. And what does the father do? He runs to meet him. And he throws his arms around him. And he has a party that's, that shows us the love of God the Father. In Luke 15, we see every person within the Godhead is involved in this search and rescue mission. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now the first and the third movements of the story are very familiar to us. We've heard the story of the lost sheep. And we know the story of the lost son. We'll talk about that next week. But the verses that we're going to consider for just a moment this morning, these verse and often, verses often and, and pardon the pun, but these verses often get swept under the rug. These are the lost verses within the lost story. So here's this woman. She's got these ten coins. And these coins, as we've noticed, are worth about a day's wages. More than likely, these coins are, are part of her, her dowry. These coins meant the world to her. It would kind of be like this. Imagine, ladies, think back to that moment when you got engaged. And when, the, when that person you were dating and that you loved, he works up the courage to one day ask you to be married. And he is scrimped and saved. You're both very young. He scrimps and saves everything he can to buy this ring. This ring isn't very large. doesn't have a lot of money. And that one night he... He gets on his knee. Oh, and you know what's coming. And he takes that, that little ring. It wasn't a very big diamond, but that didn't matter. You didn't care. And he slips that ring on your finger, and he asks those, he utters those four magic words, will you marry me? And you look down at him and you say, I don't know, let me get back to you. No, that's not exactly what you say. You, you look down at him and you say, oh, yes, of course. And, and that ring and that moment mean the world to you. And as, as you go on with your life, you get married, you'll look down at that. It's not a very large diamond, really, but, oh, you remember that moment every time you look at it. But one Saturday, several years down the road, one Saturday you're working around the house and you happen to look down at your finger and you realize, oh my, I've, lo I've lost that ring. I don't know where that ring is. It slipped off your finger. And so you begin searching all over the house. You're diligently looking for that ring. And finally, after you search and look, you see that little, that little ring. It's maybe under a... Uh, in the corner, maybe under hiding under a rug, maybe it's on the table. You, you find it someplace. Now, when you're searching for that ring, you search a while and you can't find the ring, you don't say, 
well, it wasn't very large anyway, and I'm due for an upgrade. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I mean, you don't say that, do you? Of course not. It doesn't matter how large the ring is. It, it says something about that moment when, when your husband asks you to be his wife. That ring carries a lot of significance. And so when this woman, she finds the ring, oh, she's filled with such joy. Like the shepherd last week, the woman in our story, the woman in these verses doesn't say, well, at least I have nine more coins. I I think we begin to understand how much this coin means to her by the intensity of the search. Notice as we read those few uh, verses a moment ago, it says she lights a lamp. Houses in those days had no windows. And she gets a broom and she begins to sweep her house very carefully. She pulls up rugs. She moves furniture around. She sweeps under every nook and cranny until finally she she sees that coin. And when she does, she breathes a sigh of relief and she begins to rejoice. One One of the things these verses say to us is just how valuable the lost really are to God. In each of the three movements in the story, Jesus helps us see something very precious is lost. In the ancient world, for instance, a person's wealth was measured by their flock. Their flock was really a part of their bank account. So when one sheep was lost, that was a significant thing. The woman in our story, we said one of these coins, these coins are a part of her dowry. And so being losing one would, would be something incredibly, it would be a value to her. And what needs to be said about a son being lost? I mean, a son is priceless. In each of the three moves, something incredibly valuable is lost. And so there's this intense search. But there's something else we need to see, and and that is in each instance, there's a, a personal sense of loss. The lost are a loss to God. The shepherd loses his sheep. The woman loses her coin. And the father, this wasn't just any son that was lost. Oh no, this was his son, his boy. There are those moments when an Amber Alert goes off. And when that happens, I, I begin to think about the family that's lost a son or lost a daughter. Son or daughter's been abducted. Son or daughter's you know, not lost. And if I think about that long enough, I begin to feel compassion and empathy for that family. I think, wow, that's a tough thing. But quite honestly, after I think about it for a couple of moments, my life goes back to normal. Because it's not my son. It's not my daughter. But what if it was your son or your daughter? Can you imagine that? Some of you in this room, you've you've lost a son or daughter or daughter you've had an unfortunate moment when maybe your kids were a little bitty i've told those stories before in this pulpit i've lost my kids there have been those moments when i i left church you know and and thinking my wife was going to take one of the boys home and and they didn't i mean i've had those those moments you probably have too when it's your son or your daughter that's lost it's something entirely different you know i've never heard of anybody who just goes to our the lost and found we have a box in the back a lot of items, lost and found items. But I, I rarely hear of somebody who just goes back to peruse the lost and found box. Nobody really does that. Of course, unless you want a new Bible. It's a great place to find new Bibles. 
I mean, I just saw it just yesterday, four or five Bibles, just go back and get one. I mean, they're great. it's a great place. But, but other than that, you don't really go back there. But if you've lost your Bible, if you've lost there's something that's significant to you, just uh, last week, um, Jeff was telling his story about losing a deposit. I, I was having dinner with, or lunch with someone at a local restaurant, had my glasses on, and missed the conversation, take my glasses off, put them down and go on with the conversation it was raining outside so finish the conversation i pay leave i come back to the office i work in the office for a little while and i go where are my glasses where are they you know constantly just misplacing them then it dawned on me oh they're back at the they're back at the restaurant so i got up and i restaurant's just a mile from here i drove down to the restaurant said hey i I left some glasses right here and the the worker said were they kind of yellow uh horn rim kind of look i said that that's right that's my glasses he said, I found them, put them right here. I said, but they're not right here now. He said, I know, I don't know where they are. Now, it doesn't seem like it's a big deal to him, but without my glasses, I, I really can't see your faces. Now, that can be a good thing or a bad thing, quite honestly. I can't see people in the very back. I don't know, if back there, I don't know if they're interested or not in gay, or sleeping, I, I don't know. That can be a good thing or a bad thing, but but I, I was interested in finding, and I've called back three or four times, I've gone back twice, I've kind of hounded the manager, have you seen those glasses? We're still looking, haven't seen them, and I'm thinking, who would take my glasses? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm getting a little upset here. Who would take my, gl- my glasses? But if you lose something, then suddenly you're interested in finding it. And so, what we find in Luke 15, something was a personal loss to every person in the story. And so when it's your grandchild, and you used to take your grandchild to church with you, and she was really interested, but now she's not interested in church, and you can't get her to come, and, and she's in college, lives a little far, far away from you. You want there to be a church that's relevant and dynamic and interested in something other than yourself, you want there to be a church that will reach out to them. Or maybe it's your, your son, and your son no longer is concerned about spiritual things. You, what are you doing? You're praying, and you're hoping that God will bring someone into his life who can be influential, that will model Jesus. Or maybe, maybe it's your friends, your close friends, who live right next door to you, and you, you share things, you occasionally do things on the weekends and you've, you've worked up the courage to have spiritual conversations with them because you know they're not going to church anywhere. They're good people, but it seems like they're far from God. And so finally, you invite them to come with you on Sunday morning. And here's what you're wanting. When they come with you on Sunday morning, you're hoping, oh, I want the, I want the singing to be vibrant. I, I, want, I want the worshipers in the room to be engaged. And Kevin, don't blow it. Kevin, don't blow it. I want you to be you know, relevant and dynamic. I want your message to be you know, just on point. Well, why is that? It's because, it's because when, when something or someone is lost and you have an interest in, interest in it, you want to see it found. I learned something else in these, in these verses. These verses help me to understand how we become lost. How do sheep get lost? Oh, they slowly wander away. You know, they nibble on a little uh, grass here and there. And after a while, they're outside outside the range of the shepherd's voice well how to how to lost how to son maybe some of you can relate to that how do sons get lost well in this story as we'll see next sunday morning sometimes we just rebel 
The son, as we'll see next Sunday morning, comes into the father and he says, I'm, I, I want what's coming to me. Just, and they, just, they just leave. And sometimes that's how, that's how we get lost. We rebel. But what about coins? You see, although some intentionally walk away from God like lost sons, coins, how do coins get lost? Well, they don't. You see, coins don't just get up and say to the other coins, I'm tired of being with you, I'm, I'm out of here. That's not what coins do. They're inanimate objects. Coins don't get lost, we lose them. Coins are brushed off tables and dropped or misplaced or overlooked. The coin was lost in our story because of how the woman handled or mishandled the coin. I almost called this sermon... And I backed away from it because I thought it was too provocative. I almost called this sermon when church hurts. Because sometimes it does. If you've been around church long enough, you've probably had some kind of experience. Uh, Maybe it was from a well-meaning preacher who preached a message that was so harsh and judgmental. Uh, maybe it was from one of the members. Maybe, maybe you were overlooked, or maybe you were snubbed, or maybe you, I don't know what. But there are times when church hurts. I, I've been around church a long time. I've been in leadership in church a long time. I know what it feels like to be hurt. Sometimes church can hurt because church is filled with imperfect people. Sometimes church can be difficult because We're flawed and we're human and we say things and we do things. Do you know any any lost coins? Um, I'm thinking right now of a young lady. I've told you this story before, but it it impacted me so powerfully. Back when I lived in Albuquerque, we had this woman visit church. She was a single mother. She had uh, two or three little kids, a couple of different fathers. She was living with this man now. And she decides to show up at church. And so the children's minister and I, that week, we went by to see her. And she told me part of her story. And she told me the story. She told me about living, being raised in a family that was very dysfunctional and having a dad who was harsh and overbearing. She talked to me about her experience in church and how she had she'd gone into some Eastern religions because she was looking for truth and she was looking for love and acceptance. And for some reason, she showed up at our place. And I'll never forget the words she said to me. And she didn't mean this as a threat. I didn't hear it as a threat. I just heard, I just heard her heart was hurt. She looked up at me in her eye, with her eyes, and she, she, tears in her eyes. And she said, Kevin, this is the last chance I'm given church. Of course, I thought to myself, wow, I hope we don't blow it. She was a lost coin. She'd been brushed aside, misplaced, dropped. And she needed to know that she's valuable. She needed to know that God loves her. She needed to know that there was a place for her, a place for broken people, a place for misplaced people, a place for people just like her, because we're all the same. And so the woman in our story, and we're wrapping up because our time is up, but the woman in our story, she, 
in these verses, she finds the coins that meant so much to her. And you know what she does? She throws a party. Her joy is abundant. It's so overflowing, it can't be contained. And you know as well as I that you cannot celebrate alone adequately. You can experience joy alone, but when you want to celebrate, man, you need some other people. That's why we invite people over to our house for Super Bowl parties, right? I mean, we want to celebrate. We want other people there so we can give high fives, so we can dance, so we can throw our hands in the air, so we can experience incredible joy. This, this woman, she finds her coin. What does she do? She calls her friends over, and they begin to celebrate. And then here is the punchline in the story Verse 10, where Jesus says, I tell you there's rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Would you read that verse closely? That verse does not say the angels are rejoicing. That verse says there's celebration going on in the presence of the angels. You know who's celebrating? God. It's God who's experiencing a lot of joy. It's God who is throwing a party You see, the punchline, the climax in each of these three moves of the story that we're reading this month is there's incredible celebration. When the shepherd finds the sheep, what does he do? The shepherd puts the the sheep on on his shoulders and he goes back and finds the other sheep and other folks and there's a celebration. This woman, when she finds the coin, she says, let's rejoice. And the dad, when his boy finally comes home, he says, let's celebrate and as jesus is telling this story he's looking at the pharisees in the crowd because they're not happy at all there's not a lot of joy on the pharisees faces here's the question here's the question i want to conclude with today so how do we reach lost sheep those who've wandered away here's what we do we like the good shepherd we go and search for them we take We take the initiative. We go looking. We pray and we invite and we strike up conversations and we figure out a way to share our faith with all those who've wandered away because there are many in our community. What about those who are like lost coins, those who have been misplaced, brushed off, overlooked? We need to tread lightly because those who've had a bad experience with church often often they're, they're not willing to come back so quickly, but we need to listen and authentically model the love and grace of Jesus. We need to develop a community, and I think we have it here. We need to continue to develop a community of love and support, and we need to help lost coins with their sense of expectations. I love the church, and yet I know it's imperfect because I'm part of it. God only has an imperfect church, and this is the church that he uses. I often say to people, it's an imperfect church and it becomes really imperfect when you join our congregation and when I'm part of this church. I mean, I often tell people that because it's true, right? The amazing thing in this story is that God used the woman who lost the coin to find the coin. How do we reach lost sons? We exercise patience and we pray for them. And that's one of the reasons we're praying for people in our community this month. How do we reach lost sons? We, we pray and we wait. And when lost sons and daughters come home, you know what we do? We celebrate. One of my pet peeves about, about church sometimes is that sometimes 
if we're not careful, we don't celebrate the greatest things. I, I've been in I've been in an assembly as you have too, probably, and we'll announce a baptism. Yeah, so and so was baptized into Jesus, and we'll kind of go, "Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's great." Friends, when someone comes home, when someone is baptized into Christ, that's the moment when we celebrate. And, and when someone comes home and there's incredible celebration, all that we're doing is joining with God because there's incredible joy in heaven. And so today, if you find yourself in a place where you've wandered away, oh, we're ready to receive you. If you find yourself in a place where you feel like the lost coin, you've been misplaced and overlooked, be patient with us. I want you to know this is a good group of people. Not perfect. None of us are perfect. If you find yourself in a place where you felt like you're the rebellious son, you, you, you walk defiantly into the world, and you've experienced the hardship of the world, oh, there's no better time than now to come home. Let's pray.